You are listening to KU Radio's only podcast, OU Radio. And it hurts so good. Patrick, how are you, sir? This is Sasha Bloom, OU Radio. How is everyone out there today? I'm good. How are you doing, man? Good. We have a special guest in studio. A student of the U. A very funny lady, from what I've been told. Amara, how are you? I'm good. It's a pleasure to meet you. You too. Thanks for joining us. I was saying, we need to get someone in here who hasn't been in here before, who's new... To talk to this Amra Ames girl. <laughs> we uh, did some bowling after an open mic. That was pretty fun. I was like, well, this girl probably has some more to say. Let's see what's up. <laughs> it's the sweaters that led us to believe you had a lot to say, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, you always have a, a weird sweater on. Although you don't today. No, it's too cold for just a sweater. Do you, do you, are you um, aware that you wear uh, sweaters? Funky sweaters? Yeah, I didn't know people noticed, though. Really? Yeah. Like, for people, like, since they can't see you, you I've seen you wear, like, like a very Bill Cosby-like sweater. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. And then yesterday I saw you had a big white sweater with an American flag <laughs> on it. Happy Veterans Day. Oh, is that what it was for? No. Nice, no. I didn't pick it up. It's like you ripped off my dad's closet of sweaters. I just, I really around. like cheap sweaters from the DI. Oh, is that where you got There's them from? There's a lot of good ones. Mm, okay. Yeah. You prefer the DI over Nordstrom? Um, yeah, I'd say I so. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear that you have an aspiration of becoming a comedian, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I could, you can say that. Why? I really like comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like one of the good things that exist, and I don't know, I, I, want, I like writing it mostly. I've been writing comedy for a long time in various forms but uh, I only just started doing like stand-up stuff which I really like too because it's fun you've been good I was gonna say you're you're pretty young and you you've written comedy for a long time um I I guess you could that's uh, loosely in what sort of way have you you written comedy um well uh, I started making like really terrible YouTube videos when I was 12 or so um that was like when like YouTube. funny sketch stuff um at first it was just me like talking and then it sort of turned into sketch stuff that i like thought about and wrote about i hope it's funny i try you <laughs> 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 should put down the title of it and we're aims i uh, i'm gonna try i try <laughs> i'm gonna try folks <laughs> good blurb who do you uh who do you like it in comedy what inspired you to sort of go towards comedy or do you just is that just how you are is that your personality you gravitate towards comedy I like I, I like everything I, I'm like a huge comedy nerd 
like I started making videos um, because I got really into Weird Al when I was like 11 or 12 and uh, he did a lot of TV stuff that I was like really inspired by and so I did videos that were like largely just ripoffs of stuff he w would do in like the 80s um, and it kind of went from there but I, I like a lot of comedy stuff. Did you catch any heat for stealing <laughs> jokes? I don't think so. People, it's kind of like more obscure than like the average person who's not like a really big Weird Al fan would notice. And also, I was a twelve-year-old girl. Well, so those are the ones you want to worry about. Are the super yeah, fans, exactly. the super <laughs> Al fans? They ate it up. They loved it. <laughs> so you got away with, uh, I bet, um, barring a few uh, Weird Al jokes. <laughs> in, in the sixth grade, probably not a not a lot of Weird Al fans to call you no, out on that. Not a lot of sixth. You're grade probably girls. in the sixth grade, be like this girl's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> no, they just thought it was like super weird, <laughs> which is fair. This girl's a weird genius. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Well, in as like an adolescent, mostly Brigham City, Utah. Oh, so you're kind of a Utah <laughs> native. Yeah, I'm, I lived in Las Vegas and grew up there for, like, when I was a kid, but I moved to Utah. Um, you have any gambling addictions, tattoo addictions, porn addictions, porn. anything like that? Um, right Usually now, that's safe for 20 minutes into the interview. Sorry, but sir. We're going to jump <laughs> right in. Quick. Well, Vegas, Vegas <laughs> is a tricky one. You, you either survive vegas or you develop a lot of bad habits that never go away well the thing was i was born there so like as an eight-year-old when i left i wasn't i didn't know there was another world you know i i didn't know the alternative because there's real homelessness <laughs> there's real oh, yeah. generational drug abuse that's okay. present like they hide it here in salt lake city uh -huh. unless you go to pioneer park but <laughs> that's a, that'd be a weird place to grow up yeah, like, I didn't know gambling was, in general, illegal until, like, maybe a couple years ago. I just never, I just thought it wasn't popular. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. I, I associate cigarette smoke with um, the movie theater, with, like, casinos, uh, w uh, with childhood, essentially. So it's a good warm feeling, the cigarette yeah. smoke. Yeah, for sure. Nice. People hate it, but I don't. R.J. Reynolds oh. will be proud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always curious what it's like when someone grows up in Vegas as, like... <laughs> A local or a resident, and not a, I guess, tourist per se. Oh yeah. You, are you aware? Were you? You couldn't have been aware Vegas is any different than anywhere else growing up, though, right? Not. I didn't spend a whole lot of time out of it until I was eight or nine. But I, I, I like my parents didn't like tourists. Didn't like the touristy area, so it mm -hmm. wasn't like I hung out there a lot either. Wasn't until later that you realized that it was sort of an unusual place. I'm still not 100%. Still? <laughs> You're still figuring it out? People are like, I went to Vegas, and there were, like, things on th billboards that I didn't like. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it's like there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a different sort of pocket <coughs> of Americana, I guess you would say. Oh, yeah. Why were you living there? Was it, Were your parents there for um, work stuff, or, do, or were they from there? My mom, I'm just telling my mom whole life story my mom's from ohio but she moved there i think her mother was doing work stuff like a long time ago and then my dad just grew up there and oh really my mom more or less grew up there too um but then we moved here for why did they move here um my mom got married to a guy who wanted to move here she's not married to that guy anymore uh, <laughs> but yeah. we're still here <laughs> you stuck it out <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm here, I guess. <laughs> it's different. What do you study here at the U, the University of Utah? Um, film. 
film student. Yeah. Wow. Are you a big film film person all the time? Um, I'm not as big as Growing a film up? person as I could be, but I I admire it a lot, and I'm I want to learn more essentially about actual film. But I did I was making videos and stuff in whatever the sixth grade. And all right. In uh, middle school, I did a lot of TV stuff at for the school, and so I wanted to learn like more about traditional aspects and. Um, like film history, so it's a good. It's she a good wanted to watch movies in class. Yeah, it's actually the greatest. <laughs> I always tell uh, people I was a film student for one year when I was in college, <laughs> and if you ever want to get chastised <laughs> by the most educated group of nerds, be a film student and tell them you've never seen the movie Suicide Kings. I, when I was a film student, all I entered film school was set with the knowledge that I liked movies. That's it. Yeah. I never seen Pulp Fiction more than 50 times, never that. And they would be like, oh, my God, I love Suicide Kings. Uh, have you seen Suicide Kings? And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, my God, you never seen Suicide Kings? I was like, I, it's not, not only have I not seen it, I never even heard of Suicide Kings. And they, they like, <laughs> it was the equivalent of getting beat up in the lunchroom by film nerds. Oh. So, yeah, it, it, it's a weird thing. I, I never met such 18-year-olds with such fervor of <laughs> film. I, like, what kind of films do you like? Are you like a nerdy film student? I like, like any film that people say is good because I also <laughs> agree. Like, it's not even a peer pressure thing. I just know that it's also good. And, uh, like, if people ask me my favorite movies, it's, like, horrible. It's just... Let's like, go. What, you, what are your favorite movies? Uh, like, I, I would say The Sound of Music is one of my favorite movies. Ugh. Not a good not a good <laughs> movie to choose for, like, a film person. Really? But I like hmm. it's I shot like, well. See, I thought it would be. I thought it would be. But if you bring up a good movie and you're like, this is a good movie, and I'll be like, yeah, I liked that movie. I just haven't seen it a bunch like I've seen The Sound of Music. I see. Which is a perfect film. My advice to film students, if you want to fit in, just go Google just obscure, four or five obscure director <laughs> names, and feel free to throw them and interject them into conversations. Yeah. You'll be in. You'll be totally in. You don't even have to <laughs> just lie. Just lie, man. You just gotta like say a few names that are hard to pronounce, it. so no one can call you out on it. And uh, you'll be you'll be teaching classes inside I'm of more like, into French realism. There you go. Cinema. Yeah, I I <laughs> never the Italian movie scene. Wow. That's right. Are you familiar with the movie called The Bicycle Thief? <laughs> yeah. That's a movie they all watched the first year. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I went to go rent it from the student film library. It was out, and I effectively gave up and switched majors. <laughs> oh. I didn't even try and rent it the day Have you ever seen Bicycle Thieves? I think I eventually did see it. It's yeah. good. It's pretty. It's, yeah, it's very good. There's some thieves and bicycles. The At one point, you're like, hey, this isn't the Kevin Costner bicycle movie. <laughs> I, switching majors. <laughs> I like I had to write like I, in film class recently we went over German expressionism which I really enjoy for like the main Kill them. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's basically like seriously like weirdly expressive of the war stuff. It's like really interesting that way. But we didn't well, watch proud. Nosferatu yeah. and I love Nosferatu. So I wrote about Nosferatu in my paper and the professor probably hates me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hateful professor? I don't think he hates me. Oh. But uh, let me uh, put out my uh, my torch that I just lit. I was gonna go to his car. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Support terrorism and the act of blowing up here on OU Radio. Yeah, appreciate you, yeah, sir. Yeah. 
I'm more supporting my we lack should, of film knowledge. We should switch you to the Jackson Banks show, sir. That's right, yeah. <laughs> hey, oh, man. So your uh, film interest, that's, is that your mo- main interest? You didn't grow up there? You didn't see a film where you're just like, I have to do this? I saw Rushmore in the ninth grade, and I was like, I really like film direction. But then later I realized I, I like film direction, but I also just like comedy. <laughs> Uh-huh. I like TV. Comedy films? Is there one that you really liked? Comedy up films? Liked? Um, I don't know what my favorite comedy film is. Like, because there's so many great ones. Like, I mentioned Weird Al before. I really like mm-hmm. UHF. That's a big one for me. Uh, I, Wet Hot American Summer, the David Wayne movie, is really great. There's, I, there's a lot of great comedy movies. Like, when I go to Sundance, I look for comedy movies, even though they're the ones, they're not necessarily the ones people are, like, going to talk about. It's mm-hmm. still, like, I think comedy has a place in film, and I, like, kind of want to learn more about film. To so do you want to work in media? Do you want to work in entertainment? Yeah, just anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere is good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anywhere? That's a great thing to put on <laughs> a job application. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. You put your college oh, please, or whatever, and, like, I'm I'm down with anywhere you want to put me. Yeah, I'll do no anything. Says anything. It. You I don't just care. say it, yeah. I like that. Well, that seems like a good meshing, though. You like comedy, you like film. Yeah. Put them both together, and you have, like, a really dedicated interest there. Yeah. And then you, you, you were, like, into music? You are like, in a band? I was in a band. You were yeah. in a band. Uh, what instrument did you play? <laughs> um, I essentially played rhythm guitar, but instead of guitar, I played ukulele. But it was, like, electric rhythm ukulele. And I didn't even know that was an too. instrument. Electric ukulele? Yeah, it's just like an acoustic guitar that you plug in, but it's a ukulele instead. Huh. It's, uh, but yeah, that, we, de- we, we're not a band anymore, but I, I do <laughs> music on my own. Creative differences? As well. Um, creative differences in that one of us moved to Albania on an LDS mission, and, uh, one of us is still in high school, but I live with, um, the other guy in the band, my friend. Oh, yeah? Spencer, so there's still hope for this band. There's hope for stuff. I mean, I think we should work on music for sure. We haven't gotten quite there yet, but we, but we have all the instruments in our apartment and stuff. We like just look at them. <laughs> <laughs> we just stare at them and remember old times. The good old days. That amps for looking at. <laughs> all of those amps for looking at. Well, I've seen you do a bunch a bunch of the open mics around town now. Do you like mm-hmm. stand up? How's that? Those first few months doing stand up is tricky. Uh-huh. What's been your experience so far getting up on stage in front of strangers and putting your thoughts out there? When, when was the first time you did it? Um, U of U Open Mic, I don't remember when it was exactly. It was maybe like a couple months ago, but it was really, it was a pleasant, it's been a pleasant experience. Like I expected just to not be funny and like people to hate it and it's not yeah necessarily <laughs> why did you go to that one how'd you hear that you you open mic because that one's tricky that one can get a crowd and that one cannot get a, get a crowd yeah so how did you, you even hear about that one well i went to i went to wise guys open mics for a while uh-huh. um just to watch just to watch and then i went to this one just to watch to the u of u one just to watch and um it seemed like really like chill and so Safe. I, yeah, like okay, yeah. I was like, eventually I can do this, and then Johnny Brandon, he was like, "Hey, you should just go up next week," and so I I had been working on some stuff, um, and I just did it, and it was fine, so I kept doing it. And then from there, you went to the other ones. Yeah. Right. What's been the the toughest room so far? You think? I think I did Wise Guys once, 
and it was just once. I could have sworn I've seen you there more than once. I've been there a lot, but I've only done stand up there once. Okay, how was that first experience? I was like fourth to last, and everyone yeah. was gone, <laughs> and <laughs> no one wanted to laugh. And it was fine. There were like a couple of jokes people didn't laugh at, and it was weird. But like I didn't freak out or anything, so it was okay. All right, so you kind of hung in there. Yeah. They had you go in like in the fourth quarter when the game was out of hand. <laughs> That's a rough one if you go late because those shows always run late. And then if you're in the last yeah. five or six, I mean, you're sweating it out. Yeah. You're, you know, you're paddling with one oar at that point. I, I bet you sort of got something out of that experience. Yeah. Anything I, for the next open mic? I think so. I, I learned not to go fourth to last. <laughs> like it's my choice. Uh, right. But I also learned that it's free if you go to do stand-up. You don't have to pay the $5, right. so that's an incentive for sure. Right, right. If you like stand-up, if you like watching it, you might as well sign up, <laughs> get in without the cover, and then do three minutes. Yeah, and just material. talk to myself. And How do you uh, come up with the material? Are you a writer person? Are you a person who creates on stage? I think I'm a writer person uh-huh. from what I have done so far. The last couple of times I've done open mics, I haven't been like 100% sure of what I'm doing, and it's not gone as well as it has when I've practiced it forever. So I think I need to like work on that more. But I, I do like, I write uh, stuff for like camera for film, and like okay. I'm better at situational writing. But like I'm slowly trying to turn it into just a person talking, which is cool. And so I want to get better at that just probably writing though so you continue to gonna do this continue to get up on stage and do stand up and do material i hope so i i mean everybody's super chill and nice so i like doing that hanging out with everybody you're very good on twitter oh really (laughs) well you have what thirty-three thousand six hundred tweets does that sound accurate i you have the number there yeah (laughs) that's a lot of tweets that's a lot of tweets lady been tweeting since you were like a zygote. Pretty much. So how many is that a day? Well, uh, I was 13 when I got Twitter. Oh, wow. I was 2008. Me and Sasha just felt incredibly old. Hey, you want to bum us out right now? <laughs> what year were you born? <laughs> 1995. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is young. I feel weird about it, too. I thought they stopped having kids after 1990, to be honest. <laughs> I really don't know why they didn't. <laughs> I told my dad to listen You're to this. You're the only one who was there. Yeah. like, hey, man. He's up on the kids. So you got Twitter at 13. Yeah, and uh, back then, and maybe now, I don't know, it was kind of a thing to have conversations over Twitter, and you don't have the 100, you had the 140 characters thing, so you have to just tweet. Like, people talked to each other in 2008 on the internet. I don't know. They don't do it anymore, but, like, a lot of those tweets were all in a year between, like, 2008 and 2009, were just me talking to like weird people on the internet but i don't wow. tweet nearly as how much how weird now. would that be to grow up in that world because i've only been on twitter a year and it already bothers me like to a disgusting level do you obsess <laughs> over twitter some people get obsessed mm, no i don't i what bothers you about it what bothers me about that i can't curse i can't troll people i can't be inappropriate <laughs> Because I work, I work in media, so. Oh, so you, you sort of curb your your instincts sometimes on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, big. Oh, completely. Like, right. I have a lot of really cool people that follow me, but I am a really boring follow because I don't talk about anything. Because I don't want to get fired. Right. You, know, you just see it too have much. Have you ever considered a fake Twitter account? Mm. What about that? What if you made one that was like, 
Sasha underscore Bloom <laughs> <Yeah>. or <laughs> Sasha Bloom big dummy. one at Big Dummy. Yeah, I yeah, get it. At Big Dummy, there you go. What about that? And you could sort of be free reigned. Well, now it's out there. Right. <laughs> yeah, that somebody get that Twitter handle because I just gave them like hundred followers. <laughs> By hundred, I mean two. No, I. Uh, I don't know. It seems I'm. T- I work. I'm busy. I got a kid. Right. I don't have time for. You know, and then you guys keep me busy doing stuff on this show, editing and promos and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I'm a busy guy. Like, I'd rather go try to meet a nice lady than tweet about no. someone being dumb at an airport. Like, you know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's so gratifying. <laughs> uh, those are all fine and good. It's kind of like a fairy t- or a, uh, like a, you know, like a fairy tale. It sounds good. But we know when the rubber meets the road, you're going to want to troll some celebrities. And then I get concerned <laughs> about some of the people I follow because they're very vulgar. They'll post nude photos, maybe not of themselves, mm-hmm. but of other people. If you could write those names down and slide them over to me. <laughs> yes, sir. Nude photos. <laughs> and then it's like, what yes. happens if a news director wants to hire me? Right. And then they scroll through who's following me. And it's like, is Andy Gold going to screw me in media? <laughs> you know? Did you get in trouble for that? For someone someone follows you on Twitter that's kind of vulgar? Do people, like, look at that? Why am it's I employed? It, it, that's what you wonder is... Right. Because that's does a little out of your control. No. Follows, who follows you on Twitter. No, because you could block them, right? If, you could. If Ron Jeremy followed me, I'd block him, you know? <laughs> really? No. Oh. No? <laughs> Let's call him up. Let's do a phoner. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that idea. It, it, it brings a sense of paranoia to me, um, social media. Yeah. I feel that way, too, because my grandmother follows me on Twitter. Ooh, that's Oh, creepy. that's so true. I, you, I still say stuff, though. You probably are of a generation that is, yeah, the parents hmm. are involved in, in online stuff my mom, more than, say, my parents would be. My mom follows me on Tumblr, which is a horrible place to follow your child. Mm-hmm. And she, like, she like sent me an ask message, which is, like, an anonymous message but she like had her username on it and she's like why do you say the f word so much because <laughs> i'm awesome mom <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm an adult now <laughs> yeah that is weird i didn't think of the parents being actively involved in twitter and facebook and online stuff like they probably are now like mine aren't but probably <laughs> 10 years younger than me people probably are well my son's at the point now where we have to really get concerned of him watching porn He's 12. It's true. Right? Yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, I know what I was doing at 12. We were trying to get Playboy magazines and hiding them in the woods. and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still images. <laughs> yes. Still what are those? Man. Magazine. <laughs> yeah, I know. How this girl's you. injured. What's a magazine? <laughs> the, so are you, like, concerned where you, like, don't, you're, like, that shouldn't be allowed? Because I feel like if I was a parent, I wouldn't know, like, what to do. So he, like, he has a cell phone, but yeah. he doesn't have an internet cell phone um he's not allowed to i don't let him use my computer at my house mostly because it's an expensive editing computer but at his mom's house it's all parent blocked and all that kind of stuff but a 12 year old is gonna 12 year old is like james bond when it comes to pornography (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're gonna make some calls they're gonna find friends old MacGyver yeah. old MacGyver yeah did you have that friend in high school or middle school that was the one porn guy and he yes, had yes, his, yes. he had his brother stack what? of playboys or yes what? I, or what? we had a neighbor that he was older than us by like four or five years but we used yeah. to play baseball with him and he had porn posters all over his wall 
and like he and his buddies would hang out watching porn, which was really uncomfortable. That's weird. Like yeah. I never participated in that. Oh, girl. Thank God. <laughs> but it right. was weird when you would go to his house trying to get Garbage Pail Kid oh, yeah. cards Garbage off him, and then you just see stuff you'd never seen. Yeah. And then the kid across the street from me, his dad owned a video store, and his whole garage, like a whole wall of it, was nothing but porn videos. Wow. Like VHS porn videos. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was weird. That would be some... Pretty privileged information around school. Right. If you were the kid whose dad <laughs> had a library <laughs> Smithsonian status of porn VHS. And it was still 80s porn with... The, 80s porn. You know, it wasn't... They were still... Not, they weren't image conscious back then. Yeah. You know, the, it was gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was, was nothing pleasant about it. Yeah, it's very different. It's weird how so it, it's so commonplace. Yeah. You could have conversations about pornography at Target, and no one really bats an eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's really I used to sort of like that was like a dark art. <laughs> it was like it was like you only heard about it once every eighteen months. But now it's like it's, it can be brought up anywhere, and everyone's like, "Oh, okay, sure, sure, yeah, porn." But the great thing about being a kid when I was younger is we could go to the river bottom with a twenty-two or a pellet gun. Mm-hmm. And not have to come back. And our parents had no idea where we were, what we were doing. Yeah. And now, I assume it was your case, you were being monitored by a cell phone, by everything, (laughs) right? We could just take it there. I didn't have, Nintendo didn't come out until I was 10 or 11, Mm -hmm. 9, 10, 11. So we had nothing of that nature growing up as little kids. It does seem like every generation is getting more and more uh, watched. Yeah. You know, you had kids in the 50s like, we were breaking arms and lighting cigarettes <laughs> when we were six. <laughs> yeah. And the next generation is like, yeah, we go hang out, we'd smoke some weed. And the next generation is like, my parents know my internet, they know my passwords. It does seem like we're more and more guarded. I don't know if it's good or bad. I have no idea. But it does seem we're more aware of our kids, <laughs> each generation older. Did you, your parents give you a, a, a hard time being on internet, hanging out with friends when you were... Young, and by young, I mean 18 months ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, when I, well, when I was growing up, it the internet, as it is now, like, the accessible internet was new. Like, uh-huh. I, I was born in the 90s, like, we had internet, but it, you people always had didn't internet. know about it. Gotcha. <laughs> people, people were, people were scared of it until, like, I feel like the mid-2000s, people, a lot of people my age, like, didn't, didn't have Facebook until, like, high school because they were, like, forced to, but also that could have been where I grew up. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, my parents, personally, my mom, I, I live with my mom. She's a single mom. She's too busy. She didn't care about what I did. Nice. But, like, the thing <laughs> about the finding porn thing, like, I don't know if people are aware, but, like, just go on Wikipedia. There's stuff. It, mm-hmm. Wikipedia is, like, not blocked on anything. True. That's true. Just information just alone. Just to all the 12-year-olds listening. Yeah. <laughs> imagine if you want to learn about the anatomical <laughs> side well, imagine things. if you were 14. Well, we used to use National Geographic magazines. Yeah, I was going to And Victoria's thing. Secret oh, catalogs. Yep. Yeah, those were hot items. <laughs> Victoria's, okay. Uh, tradable. Yeah, yeah. Tra- <laughs> That's right. I remember a friend of mine had a subscription, or his mom did, to uh, Fredericks of Hollywood. That's a good one. And it would be about Friday, about... 1 30 p.m and you'd be in school and he'd be like after school a new one came oh in thursday God. let's go check it out my mom would come home till five and it'd be like all right can i get a ride who can give me a ride and that was the big deal <laughs> of hollywood i wonder who the guy is with lane bryant magazines 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, same guy, actually, as it turned yeah. out. <laughs> he was a he was an odd guy, Lane Bryant. I got a really hot TJ Maxx catalog, guys. If you want to swing by after baseball, <laughs> we'll have a hot time in the town. <laughs> but you grew up in the birth of the epidemic of pedophilia. Like, were your parents? Did I? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. What about like the seventies? I yeah, hasn't that always been around? I think it's, I think it, well, okay. it's always been prevalent. It's in the Bible. Yeah, oh, Socrates used to talk oh, about yeah. it in great depth of how a man would never find it. love without it coming from a young man. But now it seems like with the internet, with MySpace, with Facebook, that <laughs> I would not want to have a young girl. Like, not only do you have to worry about her yeah. sexting, but you girl. have to worry about all these other guys. I feel that way each day. As an adult girl, but just from catcalling and all yeah. that, or oh, stories yeah. like that Being are not grown out of proportion. <laughs> yeah. Being a woman is 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 rewarding and not rewarding. See, I um, would think it, in my perspective, and this probably comes off as incredibly sexist. <laughs> and go on. Go on. <laughs> Let's turn his mic up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it would seem like that you have a very easy life um, in terms of getting dates in terms oh. of possibly getting financial security because of marrying oh. because that but th this is my own dumbness like uh -huh. teach me well i think i know what you're going to say but i think you and i cuz i share this thing i think you and i are looking at it through our brains uh -huh. yeah you know we're looking through our guy brains we're like that girl never talks to me i'm mad that girl's got everything got it all planned out yeah. but yeah from a woman's perspective it can be very very hard am i right in saying that you're have to be defensive or have to be very choosy or have to be just cautious? Well, on one hand, yeah, because, like, statistically, uh, if you're seeking out um, dates or whatever, you may be murdered. But also, mm -hmm. um, if you're a girl, like, you have all that, like, lack of privilege, but you also are just a person also. like You have lack of privilege, what do you mean? <laughs> like, you know, women are oppressed and all that. No, I, I hear the argument. <laughs> I understand. I under I get the glass ceiling. Like I've take, oh, yeah, taken yeah, feminism yeah. classes. I yeah, see the hardships they have, but in my head, it doesn't seem correct. Because like, you always see women getting great jobs. You see them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're those jobs. We already have something to put on your application. I'll go anywhere. You're saying more so socially, maybe. As far as one being pursued or sort of like securing dates, or yeah, because to me, yeah, I can see it would be easy. But imagine if you were like an attractive girl in high school and all you did was defend yourself against potentially creepy dudes and stuff like that. That seems like it could be a hard experience. Well, like in theory, you're like, okay, uh, women can get dates, but you're you're uh, hoping that the men pursuing the women are like good people, right? Like they're not creepy like weirdos who have different thought processes, even as men, I don't know, like than you yourself, like you're like, oh, I wouldn't do that to a woman, you know? But like, just uh, like a lot of, like the fact that women can't like walk around on the street without somebody harassing them most of the time is like, what are those dudes right. thinking? They're thinking that's okay, like where did that come from? And like that, the fact that that exists is like a whole problem. But like, um, even, like I said, like, even if you are a woman, uh, you are also just a person. Like, I personally, no, nobody's, like, clamoring after me to date me just because I'm, like, a woman, um, and I don't want that either. But, I mean, like, 
street harassment and stuff like that definitely happens and like it happens on occasion and in, in actually like in everyday life um, to varying degrees but like it doesn't mean that you get dates per se right is there a lot of pressure in looking like a glamour magazine um, oh yeah that really exists um, I think it's just the idealized. Like I'm no expert, but like, cause I I don't I don't know. I'm well, you're a, a woman, of course you are. I know, but I don't I don't pursue a lot of women myself, so I don't have an ideal. But um, like what women should be like. Uh, well, I guess I do. I think everyone does, probably just based on like whatever society. But uh, it's yeah. There's definitely like an idealized version of women. Do you have a fear of that wanting to go into entertainment and into comedy specifically? Because it's a very difficult road. A tremendous amount of sexism in mm -hmm. comedy, in my opinion. There is, I think, a, I think the glass ceiling's been broken a little bit with, you know, the Silvermans, um, <laughs> you know, people like that. Yeah. Amy Schumer, I guess, is the yes. big new one. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I think that there's a lot of things in comedy that could be better for women and for uh, people who are not white, but, like, also it's getting a lot better, like, really fast in it, and there's a lot of awesome women in comedy, uh, like those you mentioned and others. Um, so I, I personally, I've, like, written papers on this and stuff, and I think about it a lot. Like, I have a lot of hope. I try not to focus on the bad there. Um, and as for, like, the, the idealized version of, like, uh, looking like a certain way when you're in entertainment I I just want to write for people like I don't care <laughs> but I think it's getting better everywhere so hopefully I think that's an <laughs> illusion that you have to be a gorgeous woman or a gorgeous man to be on TV because if you go back and watch TV or even if you watch TV now there's a lot of ugly people like Jim Gaffigan's not a pretty man he is but a man though He's on TV in demand all the time. He can go on any show he wants. Mm -hmm. No problem. Th yeah, but I there's that illusion that, oh, it's only Kirk Cameron that can get, a, you know, back in the day. And yeah. Oh, well, definitely good looking is always is never going to hurt you. You know, the interesting th thing, though, is you put comedy into it. We all got into comedy because we weren't good looking. You know, look at it that way. It's like, hey, I'm not just going to get by on these looks. I better sit down with this notebook and write some jokes down. I have a hard time be believing short. that Seth Tippett would would say that, sir. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's a Brigham City kid, kind of. Oh, there you go. But I would say comedy, if you, if you dig down in comedy deep enough, comedy always comes from uh, someone's pain or someone being the butt of a joke, there's always a loser in the joke, right? Yeah. If whether you're putting it on yourself or a group of people. Well, comedy comes from a place where you're disingenuous or, or disenfranchised or sad yeah. or depressed. We got there because of some trauma. We got yeah. there because it didn't work out. You know, we didn't get there because everything worked out in life. And if you were good looking, if you were successful, if you're smart, okay, great, you probably had this path. If you weren't, that's typically where something humorous or just in a broad sense, something creative came from that person. That, that's you my what I'm favorite saying? thing yeah. about comedy. Like, it's super punk and, like, yeah. there's nothing better than comedy because of that reason. Yeah, I think we can all say to some degree... Uh, entertainment business, Hollywood, movies, all this stuff. Oh, it's a glass ceiling, and if you're this, you do this. If you're this, you do, you do that. The, the bare bones of them is funny's funny. That industry will never turn away talent. Oh, I think, talented, that, I think that's not true. I don't think a Sam Kennison can make it today. But 
Your league hood today? You I don't think Sam Kennison could do a podcast, could be on the road doing stand-up, could doing th- be doing no. theaters? No, not to, get, not to the excess, success that he gained. I don't think an Andrew Dice Clay in his height in the 80s, early 90s, um, he could ever achieve that had he started today. Why not? Too dirty. You don't think it was a place for no a one's dirty comic? Everything's I don't really think messed up now, though. I don't think... <laughs> I don't think that you would get um, open mic time doing Hickory Dickory Dock. <laughs> I really don't. Um, I think I think you you if you want to get in there, you probably have to modify your your stuff a little bit so that you play in ball any, with the clubs in any aspect. to it. Um, but I would say you don't fill up a a thirty thousand seat arena by accident. You know, I don't think you you find success to that degree by accident by a yeah, marketing approach. Could George Carlin? Um, his Elmer Fudd rape jokes, well, he I would get crucified today. I think we're speaking a little bit to them. the times that you were performing. No, well, th- that was his act, though. That was his. But I'm saying no one had done something like that yeah. in 1960. No one had done what Lenny Bruce did 10 years before that. Lenny Bruce's jokes, while while super good and super different, of course, you know, don't stand. They're not timeless because we've we've heard these premises a hundred times over, 40 years later, but. To some degree, when you hit something at a timely manner, you got something there. You know, I think creative is always going to come to the surface, given you work hard, given you're, you're doing your working at your craft. I think when you're good, you're good. And that being said, there's a lot of talented people who didn't work at it who aren't successful. There's definitely that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think you can't stop someone with a motor. When someone has a defined goal and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on this and I'll be successful. I don't think you can stop that. No, I don't. I don't. You know, good looking or not, either. anything. I think you, you got someone who's like, I got a goal and I'm achieving it no matter what. So I think times change, for sure, and we redefine what is funny to us and what's acceptable and what's not. But I think a smart person or someone dedicated to the graft finds that angle. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I, I I completely right. understand what you're saying, but I certainly know for fact that there is a definite neutering of comedy as we've known it whether you take Joan Rivers who was getting blasted for you know her jokes um about women dying or Tracy Morgan you don't think we always had that though you don't think we always had the naysayers saying you can't talk about this it's more this isn't funny this is off limits that's a good question that's that's a good point people talk more about it now definitely yeah we have more access to to uh feedback through the internet you're right Mm -hmm. you're right about that and that can stifle your creativity, if you're looking to please all the audiences, you never win that battle. But internet, definitely, you just comment boards can <laughs> drive you nuts. And then people pick up one comment on like a thing in comedy, and then it becomes yeah. there's a, becomes like campaigns around them. Like if somebody says something bad, or like maybe in context of their comedy, like isn't even that bad, and people take it. Sure. I'm not saying that like criticism isn't valid, but like. It's very interesting. The to other me. thing you're right with the internet is you can comment or you can post in an anom- anonymous fashion. <laughs> you know, you, the you, anonymity of the internet. Right, you can yeah. say something and you won't be on the line for for whatever you say, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. So yeah, so, I, but it's a weird thing. Andy Kaufman, for an example, mm-hmm. got internationally famous because he used the F word on the Tonight Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get made with that bit anymore. A, he he can't go and pile drive a female wrestler. Right. And but he can't attack Jerry Lawler and saying "f you, I'm out of here" because that doesn't work. Like you, there's no even on 
Stewart show, you can't do that. They'd have to bleep it, which takes yeah. the funny and funny out of it. Because they have advertisers, um, yeah. You know, a lot of people can't be clean like Steve Solberg. And even he has to push it a little bit to mm. get more of an appeal. But most of the comics that are generally downright funny people are perverts. They love the perverted humor in things. And there used to be a place where that was embraced, if not championed, called a comedy club. I don't believe that that amount of freedom is there right now. I think it's still there in clubs. In Mm. clubs around the country, I think that's the, the draw to just the unfeathered performances. This guy's got no boundaries right now. He's saying what he's saying. And I think that's why we see some folks get in trouble when people like try and record their sets online or they record it with their phone and they put it out there to it. So yeah, I think the club is is just speaking of what you say, one of the last stages for that unfettered creativity, what's on your mind, say whatever. To the same degree, it's a little bit in the context of comedy. So, you know, who shouldn't take it as absolute truth because he's trying to make a joke to it. But you're right, television, radio, you definitely have some guidelines you cannot cross. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe that's why podcasts and things like that have gotten so popular is that they're away from, say, yeah. the radio format. But it, if you're – and Chris Hollyfield from I Am Salt Lake, he – when he was doing his podcast, we used to talk a lot about – because there were times – in his episodes where he would cuss a lot and then there'd be times where he'd be completely clean Mm -hmm. or Stone Cold Steve Austin has a clean episode once a week and then a dirty one Mm -hmm. my contention to Chris Hollyfield was if you want to try to get in radio you can't have an outlet where you can cuss like it stuns me that some of the podcasts in this city who have professional people in media are so filthy it's like what happened? Because you still are an extension of the Tribune or, you know, yeah. radio yeah, or whatever Yeah, very good point. Have. If your goal is such, you got to play by those rules. you got to dress for the job you want. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. If you want to be in radio, want to be in television, you probably should play ball. I mean, Dan Patrick can't go and start a podcast and do like a no. race war topics, mm-hmm. even if that were his interest. I'm not saying it is, but mm-hmm. he can't, or Jim Rome can't deviate into a dirty sports show like it would kill his show <laughs> right uh, yeah his his guys would have a problem with that i'm sure you know but i'm a big fan of the kids that say screw it i don't care i'm gonna have a podcast you know the chip and jay kids those guys are about as filthy as they get it's it's neat <coughs> i don't you know i listen to it if you want but <laughs> what i enjoy about it is they've created a real room of freedom for themselves where they don't have any pressures of a making it in media or b trying to get commercials and all that kind of stuff and make a living. They can just go f you, f this. I'm going to talk There's about definitely this. Definitely hurdles, yeah. No matter yeah. what route you take, and maybe that's that's the creative process. Do I want to do this? Am I willing to take certain sacrifices for it? Am I wor- willing to sort of be competitive in this world, or am I willing to go this way? I mean, there's. It's. I think in a nutshell, it's hard no matter what road you take. Yeah. To, to success, you know? It's, it's a weird thing to think about. It's like, is Mark Maron's what WTH podcast, is that successful if it's what the hell podcast? Probably not. <laughs> you know, that, that four-letter word probably has a lot to do because it's a naughty word, and it's rebellious, and as you said earlier, it's punk. Mm-hmm. You know, that one yeah. WTF is punk now. 
It's it's it, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's it's a weird thing. So we have to go to break here. We have the great Michelle Bodkin coming in studio. Uh, Jackson Banks is in Boston, Massachusetts. I guess doing a festival, so he will not be in today. Bummer. Uh, Where's that kid? Where can people interact with you on Twitter? Um, my Twitter handle is a a amara, which is a m e r a h. Um, that's my Twitter account. Yeah. yeah. Do you Facebook? Do you Instagram? Yeah. Do you yeah. Snapchat? Do yeah. you Tinder? You do yeah. all that stuff? I do everything. Cool. So finders. Everywhere. Find me on You're Tinder. You're a beautiful woman. You seem Why? very Why smart. Tinder, will you? Thank <laughs> you. You seem very smart, beautiful. I'd lo- I can't wait to go see you do comedy. Yeah, I'm excited about your want and enthusiasm for film. I think it's a dying art. And I think people... <laughs> no, it oh is. Boy. It is. I mean, just because... Just because you have a point and shoot, and or you have a 1080 camera, doesn't mean you it's have any bigger. business it's taking pictures. It's <laughs> I want to see those YouTube videos. Yeah, uh, where where do we go? YouTube.com Kay. slash you AAA channel. All right. Um, stuff going back to I think 2009 or so is on there, but don't watch the old stuff. Watch the new stuff. <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> Went straight to the old stuff. And then uh, Patrick, you got a show in Provo this weekend, don't you? Yeah, I sure do. Nice. I'm at the uh, Music Muse Cafe in Provo this Friday at 8 o'clock. With our good friend Nicholas Smith, right? The Dungeons and Dragons show? Dungeon, Dungeons and Comedy, he calls it. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good time. I talked to him about it yesterday. It's uh, it's going to be nuts. He plays Dungeons and Dragons with the comic comics, apparently. I'm going to be in some trouble, man. I <laughs> I never got a full hang of uh, Boggle. <laughs> so, so come out and watch me flail on stage. It'll be fun. So we're going to go to commercial, play a song. When we get back, we'll talk, uh, we'll round up uh, the Oregon-Utah game. We'll look forward to Utes going out to Stanford, and we'll see if we won't drop the ball going into an end zone. How about that, Patrick? Oh, my God. Don't even <laughs> start. I'm just going to play some music. joke that okay. was. Thank you for joining us. Thanks I really appreciate me. you. Thank you, Emra. Yes, yeah. and study hard. Don't give up on your dreams. Oh. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> oh. Thank you, people. <laughs> Your student ID card has the power to let you ride UTA. Simply tap your student ID when you board UTA buses, tracks, and Frontrunner, and ride free. For more information, visit rideuta.com forward slash student pass. Tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke it down and she cut you. 
Hello, Michelle. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. It's good to see you. Good to see you, too. Pretty impressive that our Utes can lose two weeks in a row and stay in the top 25. Uh, yeah, whoever thought we'd see the day, right? I will have to say that the Utes have been winning the injury angle. They've been crushing people. <laughs> it's one of the yes. things I hate about college football is watching these young men get lifelong debilitating injuries. Yeah. Breaks my heart. It, yeah. Seems unfair. It is a little unfair, Especially I think. for a young man, Patrick. Was it a compound fracture? I haven't heard what exactly that sure was. Like I it. just remembered seeing that replay and his left leg just flopped. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that... It that was broke. reminiscent <laughs> of uh, Paul George on the Pacers in the Olympics. Oh. I don't think it was that bad, but it sure looked like it. It was pretty racy. Uh, big props to ESPN for not showing those gruesome hip injury and the broken leg. Mm -hmm. Big bummer for uh, the center for Oregon. Uh, I heard he was a top five draft pick. It's probably going to bump him down a couple of slots. Patrick Ramirez, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good despite this rough football weekend you sir are playing a little bit of D D with the great nicholas smith and provo yeah. yes friday if anyone wants to see me everybody's seen me do my jokes okay fine I, everybody knows my act Watch has anybody seen me play dungeons and dragons <laughs> on a stage no i don't think so i'll throw around the whatever 18-sided die <laughs> and then uh play, you should uh, bring some in the pokemon box. cards just to yeah, like just spice to it up there you you go. i'm gonna show up in costume Blow their minds. So if I'm uh, cruising down I-15 going toward Provo, do you know what exit I would take to go see you? No. Okay. <laughs> you know at what? the uh, Music Muse uh, Cafe. I know that in Provo. So if they, in that, uh, that Google those kids got. So if they go to your Facebook page or Twitter, let's say in the next 48 hours. It'll be up there, yeah. Maybe you'll even put a map up there for some of us dumb people. Yeah, yeah, okay. that's a good idea. I'll put a map. I'll put a video with me um, giving directions. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Hardest All right. All right. working man in comedy, Patrick That's right. Ramirez. Yeah, yeah, I, I like know. how everybody calls me that. That's like code for this guy tries really hard, but give him a <laughs> shot, guys. He's trying. So, the Utes are going to Palo Alto. Yes, they are. They're facing an unranked Stanford team. I think they're, what, 5-4 and four right now? Right around there. Like Still that. trying to get in for the Bulls. Um, same Stanford team. What's going on with them? Do you know? I I think they lost a couple of key players last year. A lot of early. linemen. Exactly. And their offensive line is like so key to what mm -hmm. they've been doing the last couple of years and just how good they've been doing. I think they call they have a special package where they bring in eight linemen. It's called their elephant what it elephant something. Elephant in the room. No, <laughs> elephant in the room, yeah, because I can't remember exactly drop. what that is. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, and they ran that several times. You saw them bring in eight linemen last year, and I think it was specifically like goal line situations to just really bully the other teams. Alabama was line. doing that. They were turning in one of their a third-string left tackle into oh, did you see a that play? tight end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. and they yeah. had two, like, big dudes in yeah. that play. One was the decoy and one was, I love when a big dude catches a pass or recovers a fumble <laughs> and know, runs it right? in. That's the best. Dropping the balls in the end zone. The <laughs> Shout out to that the That and Cowboys. when a kicker scores a touchdown. Those are my favorites. Okay. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think having lost that offensive line that they've had the last couple of years, they're kind of rebuilding that again, and I think that's why you're seeing some of the offensive struggles that they've maybe had this year. Defensively, though, they're still pretty sound. That's what I understand. Mm-hmm. Even the Oregon coach was saying, even though it was a lopsided win when they had played them, mm-hmm. they still beat the hell out of them. Yeah. You know, much like Utah did. Mm-hmm. I think that Stanford's going to have a lot of say when Utah comes in because they lost last year. It kind of destroyed their Rose Bowl bid last year. Right. Derailed them, definitely. I, I think... I mean, nobody really likes to admit that they have a game circled, but I would have to imagine that Stanford maybe, and especially where they're like right on the cusp of being bowl eligible and stuff, to be able to get that. You know, it's a major game for their program. I I can't see how they wouldn't be just maybe a little extra fired up for that game. That's a big-time game for both programs because it – is in LA there's a lot of recruiting especially around the Sacramento area the Bakersfield area out where those kids are working in farms and you know but then you got the whole San Francisco thing it's Mm -hmm. only four hours from LA there's a lot of pressure there there's gonna be a lot of scouts Um, it's in Pac-12 territory Mm -hmm. so you're gonna get a huge production from the Pac-12 network it's gonna be exciting oh it's gonna be so fun I'm looking forward I'm actually going to be there strictly as a fan beautiful you know, it's going to be a good time. I love the Bay Area, and, you know, I'm excited to check out Stanford and see kind of what they have to offer. It's supposed to be one of the most beautiful campuses in the world. Exactly. And, I mean, on t- top it all off, you know, that should be one hell of a football game. Are you driving or flying? Flying. Look at you. Flying. You going into San Jose or San Francisco, Oakland? I don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I just no know, idea. I just know that just eventually I'm going to show up. Southwest, they might fly you into Phoenix <laughs> and uh, give you a shuttle to San Francisco. I think uh, that's how I they connect. I think I am flying Southwest. I do think, yeah. Everything goes through Phoenix and Southwest. It really does. You could be flying to Phoenix. You go to Phoenix, back to Salt Lake, and then back to Phoenix. Of course. That's the way you get there. Of course. <laughs> so, unfortunately, I missed the Kyle Whittingham presser the the post-game presser I missed Mm -hmm. and then I missed um, his weekly conference now I know that it gets played on ESPN 700 live during the Keith Stubbs show Mm -hmm. Uh, what is that from 11 to 1 I never get to hear that show because I'm working Mm -hmm. do you know where I can watch the news conferences is there a place I can go because it's very difficult to find these news conferences I think they I don't know if... And I hate to put you on the spot. Right. I don't know about uh, any, like, videotape. Yeah. But I know that if you go on ESPN 700, they should have that press conference posted. So you can at least listen to it. Oh, so they are doing that. Yeah. They they podcast that then. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's fantastic because it drives me... Like, I spent an hour trying to find the video feed, and it's like, I can't believe... That a the university athletic department's not doing it, or the Pac-12's yeah. not throwing up these pressers because, for s- they're very entertaining. Like watching an angry coach try to be happy is fantastic, or watching a winning coach try to lie about how bad they are uh-huh. or how th- bad things are right. is very funny to me because I like that type of sense of humor. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's good coach speak too. Every time you see a coach kind of like in the hot seat, they never come off smooth, do they? No. 
I'm going to say Kyle might be the best out of any of them, though, because he's just... Bill Belichick. He's just... Bill, too, yeah, absolutely. Because they're just so, like, even-killed. You don't really see them get too high or too low. It's just it's always the same old, same old. Yeah, because he never gets in trouble. And Bronco Mendenhall down south is always in trouble because he'll call out his players, he'll call out his coaches, he'll call out everything under the sun. But... Call yeah. out his own dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tell me about this last game, Oregon. What what stood out to you? What would you think? You know, over- Start from the beginning with Kendall Thompson taking over, looking like, what did you, you see? I thought Kendall looked fantastic, right? to be honest. And I, I think that was finally kind of, what I envisioned him to look like. Like, I saw it in practice all the time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's completely different to do that in practice versus do that in a game. And it's like, yes, he did, you know, lead the team against UCLA, mm-hmm. but that wasn't really his full game. We weren't seeing his full game. That was just kind of him being thrown in, in my opinion, and, you know, just kind of trying to get something going. And then Oregon State, when he started, I don't know what was up with that, whether they just didn't game plan well for him. It just, even so, it just didn't feel like things were flowing very well. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I said, I'm not sure that they game planned really well for him. I'm not sure that they they were running plays that really fit his capabilities that game. This game, things were looking good. Things were clicking. He was moving the ball. He was showing, you know, I can run the ball, I can make a good read and dump it off to, you know, either either running back because they were running a two-back system with Booker and Poole in. Um, Which you and, have you know, to do. Exactly. And then, you know, he also was making good reads on, you know, some shorter passes and then attempted that really long pass, and that's, you know, where his knee finally gave out. And I think that's so unfortunate that he was a drive and a half into the game and – no, coach hasn't over. said that it's a MCL or PCL or ha- ha- have they gone into depth of what this knee injury? Because all I've heard in snap bites is uh, he's unless he recovers, like he's out for the season. Unless there's a miraculous he, recovery, he he's is, out for the yeah, season. He is out for the season. I've been hearing it's an ACL tear. Oh, so that's unfair. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that. Nobody should quote me on that for no, sure. sure. Season, um, season though. He's no, that's a career yeah. ender for a kid like that want, with the dream of going to the NFL. It can that, be. That, that's a career killer. It's, it definitely it's a can big be. Because he didn't have the big enough arm. He didn't have the Michael Vick speed or the Mariota speed <laughs> that's going to just give you an NFL professional tool. He kind of had a bunch of tools, but... They weren't all there. Very raw. Very raw. Yeah, you're right. I was going to say very raw. He's played very, very little in his career. I don't think we've necessarily seen enough from him, though, to know exactly what it is he does bring to the table. But where I was going with this is he had enough where maybe he becomes, let's give him in the seventh round or seventh round or undrafted, put him on the practice, see what we get in three years. Mm -hmm. Now with a blown out ACL. We think injury prone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Whatever. I hope yeah. it's a meniscus. Like that's all I can say. Right, but I mean, does yeah. he have years of uh, college? He's got one. He's, He's got, got one, one more. Okay, now. so with maybe two hungry, hungry quarterbacks behind him, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they will go and recruit 
the best quarterback they can find this year. They kind of said that they weren't planning on doing a quarterback this year because they also have that freshman Donovan Isom that's redshirting this year. And the coaches are very, 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 very high on him. They kind of have indicated he's the future of Utah So you don't think they would go after the number one Juco quarterback that that's coming up? I'm going to save that for receivers. Uh, I was going to say, unless unless they weren't getting, you know, anywhere with, you know, some of the other positions that they maybe need a little bit more, I would say, yeah. I think I think they're good right now. I think they like Cox. I think they like Manning. Obviously, they're high on Isom. Don't really know, you know, how well he's going to come out and compete because he's still young, um, and that's going to make spring so interesting for Utah. And even you know the fact that they made that bowl game too, I think, is going to be really critical towards Isom's development and even Cox and Manning too because I. Think they really need to sit down with themselves and have an honest conversation. Is and I hate saying individually this, or with each other. With each other, I think I think they need to do a little soul searching, and I think they really need to think long and hard about whether they want to continue on with Travis next year. Um, he's got one more year. He's yeah. got. He's a junior. He has one more year as well. Oh, that. This is where it gets tricky, hosting a radio station here at the University of Utah. Um, no, I, 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 there's a lot of players from what I saw in that game that would not be back on my team. They got a wide receiver that just um, went completely outside of the work ethic, the intellectual paradigm that's been set for 50 years. Uh, you never saw Steve Smith do that, oh. drop the ball. Yeah, I, you know, that's one of those just really unfortunate as things. As flashy and flamboyant as uh, Drez Anderson was, you never saw him do that. No, and I have to say, I think a lot of people cause just haven't had enough time to get to know Clay very well, but he's not actually as arrogant as people are making him out to be. It was a dumb mistake. Bonehead play. Don't get me wrong. Kids, sure. Dumb, dumb mistake. But it's honestly, a life-defining play. It will never go be. away for him. It oh no, be. it You're won't. Right it won't. Because he know, doesn't have. He's not a Deshaun Jackson like. Not yet. He's yeah, got, he's yeah. got the yeah. talent swag to get away from it. You know, it's one of those things. He just needs to ignore it. The mm. whole team just needs to ignore it's it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it can happen. You you, would, you just have to put that aside. You would talk to him again? Oh, I would absolutely talk to him again. <laughs> You're harsh on these players. Like, you fumble the ball, you'll ruin our friendship. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not saying that it wasn't I played, dumb. I played collegiate sports, and yeah. we had a kid that— Did you ever have anyone make a mistake that you— Yeah, we had, a kid, we had a kid show up on Valium, um, our number two doubles team. We were playing a very powerfully ranked team, and had we won, we would have advanced in a huge tournament. He showed up on Valium, never talked to the kid again. Why right. would I? He, he completely sabotaged not only my career— from a athletic perspective, but he sabotaged our team with complete disrespect. And what I saw from Kalen Clay that day was an absolute slap in the face to every fan player. Oh, good on that point. Field. I think there's a little difference between making a bonehead play in yeah. the heat of the moment and then showing up unprepared. You, yeah. What I was if say, um, you you're just, you have to understand in the heat of the moment you get excited, adrenaline's pumping, and like I said, I'm not saying that it wasn't stupid because it was. Yeah. But I think you have to kind of move on 
and pout and shrug a little bit because honestly, when you look at his whole body of work, he has done a lot more good for that program. He's than got he's a done Heisman harm. pose. He finished the play. <laughs> he That's finished true. the play. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and a lot of other you... a lot of other players on that team celebrate as well. But the biggest difference is you have to make sure you finish the play. That time, yeah. Clay was unaware of what he was doing or where he was on the field, and he didn't finish the play. So you don't bench him. Mm-hmm. You, don't, you don't take away his scholarship and move on. He's too, he's too important, and he only has a couple games left. He's a senior. So he's a good kid, and what impressed me most is that after the game at that press conference, he, was he, very good. he actually showed up for one. Now, I mean, think about it. How many kids would try and weasel their way out of that and say, Coach, I really don't feel like going and talking to anyone right now. Like, he actually manned up, and before anybody could really even ask him about it, he just said, hey, I, you know, before we get into this, I just kind of want to make a formal apology. It was selfish of me. I know my coaches and my teammates will try and play it off as otherwise, but I take full responsibility. You probably had 32 scouts there. You probably had CFL scouts. What's their impression? I think Because he has an NFL talent. Yes. He has speed. Mm-hmm. He has an ability to be hit very hard and get up and not fumble. I think... Those I think, are his talents. Exactly. And, you know, I... Like I said, I think his talent and I think what he brings to a team far outweighs the one stupid mistake he made. Now, obviously, scouts are going to be watching very closely to see if he does it again. I kind of don't think he does. He's not a stupid guy. You don't have to talk to him very long to know that he's, you know, he's not one of those that's going to be like, "Eh, I don't really care. Like, you know, I mean, he cares. He cares a lot. Um, Was it just... Uh, to quote Keith Olbermann from like the mid '90s, was it really just premature joculation? Yeah. 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 I think. I think. Yeah. It just really, literally just was. So excited that a Travis threw the ball 50 yards. Uh, yeah. But he caught it over the shoulder, <laughs> split two defenders, and then outran um, some of the best uh, cornerbacks in the country. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. I think I think it's a tough break. I think the adrenaline was kind of going. I mean, you think about it. How many times have you done so? I can think of some of my most embarrassing moments, and I I had three today. To a certain degree, (laughs) they're things that I will never live down with the people that you know were there and witnessed it. So you know, all Clay can really do is learn from it and then laugh it off. Is that one of the great things about being a coach? or professor as Kyle Whittingham is, is allowing himself not to get mad at his student. Because essentially he is a student. Mm-hmm. He's teaching him an art form, right? He's training him in a professional career. Mm-hmm. As mad as Kyle Whittingham probably wanted to be, you can't, it's like you're saying, it's like taking me off instead of you can't fire him, you can't bench him, you can't ostracize right. him. You can't make him feel worse because at the end of the day, he's, what, a 19, 20-year-old kid? Yeah, you got to get the most out of your players. He's valuable. that means build them back up or motivate them. And, you know, I think Kyle handled handled that very, very well because he came out and said, you know, it's coach's job to coach. Obviously, we had a a close call earlier in the season, and we thought we had addressed it, but obviously he hadn't learned. Therefore, it's what the was the close call? 
he was very, very – he did cross cross the plane with the ball, but he almost did the same thing, and it was either Fresno oh. or Idaho State. And So this and is a learned behaviorism. Well, you yeah, have I'm back to firing him now. Oh, I'm back to firing him <laughs> now. He's not helping his case. You're, you're right. I yeah, know, he's not helping his case. He's got just a one offense already. But I mean, the test will be how he bounces back it, next well, game. He's got an opportunity to win You know what, though? He back. actually bounced back that game, though. I mean, he, he, had that, he had that huge true. touchdown catch that he sure as hell made sure he held on to. Um, you know, I mean, he led the team in receiving that game, and he had a couple of big runs as well on punt returns. So, you know, I part of me wants to slap him. The other part of me, you know, yeah. is kind of impressed. So. It's a tough one. Does he – now, something has to be done. Does he run stairs till he throws up? There has to be some type of – Yeah, I think something like that should be in order. Like to get duct tape to the field goal <laughs> – Post, right. like something's got to happen. He's got to right? carry around the football around campus and all his buddies <laughs> try and punch it out in the lunchroom. That happened you to see, Lucky Bradley. Did you ever see the program? That was a good movie. <laughs> Tell us about life. See, I'm, I'm sure there was some kind of punishment or some kind yeah. of – And maybe it was simply even, you know, the fact that it's spread even from ESPN. It's – been on the Today Show. It's been on, you know, people that yeah. aren't even sports fans. It's getting some public shame. Know, know what happened and are talking about it. So, I, you know, it that could be one of those cases where just the pure embarrassment of what happened Oh, it trended. It was trending on Yahoo. Mm-hmm. And for something to trend on Yahoo, like, that's impressive. Yeah. I wonder if it affected his dating life, because I hear he's very popular <laughs> with the co-eds here on campus. Like, yeah, no, that'll be the true test. Like, Can you turn this negative into a positive <laughs> in the dating world? Or in the end zone <laughs> celebration. That. Like, that's, that's the great right. thing about you being a comic is, can he play off going. of it? Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Hey, exactly. hey, ladies, you want to see how that touchdown celebration would have went? <laughs> <laughs> and, you Somebody know, I down. mean, like I said, I think that's the best thing. A, learn from it. B, get to a point where you can laugh about it and make fun of yourself for it. Because, you know, if you're making fun of yourself for it, other people will stop taking such joy and pleasure out of it. One of the great things about having someone that gets paid by rivals is you understand their depth chart. For the wide receivers for the Utes, I know no one after Patrick. Mm -hmm. He's got to be replaced now, so they they need a slot receiver. Who's, Who's up behind him? Uh, my understanding is that it's probably Kenrick Young. He's a freshman this year, uh, has super speed. He, he like, broke a couple of records running track so, in, college at his or high school. school. At his high school. Where, what part of the country? Florida. Oh, so real track. Yeah, cool. Florida kid. Um, and then I would say the other guy probably is Dre Lewis, a kid out of San Francisco, great opportunity he's a senior this year so Nobody, he goes home mm-hmm. might be a might be wow, kind be a of good a big story. deal uh yeah i just interviewed him today yep. about that so you know i i would look for him he was the one that had that great catch uh from kendall towards the end of the fresno game where he kind of juked the defender and then ran to the end zone mm-hmm. it was it was a really good play but we haven't seen much of him how tall there. are these two boys? Uh, they are they have long arms. Are they they fit the modern wide receiver uh, Dre, caricature? 
Dre's like six three, and I think Kenrick's six one. Okay, so they're not so, little buddies. No, they're not Kay. tiny guys. And then there's also been some talk about potentially getting Delshawn McClellan some reps as well as uh, Jameson Phil. And those guys are a little bit smaller. They're they're more of your typical slot receiver. How long do you think they stay with the spread offense? If you notice, Patrick, I don't know. He, and for everyone, uh, the quarterback's almost always in the shotgun. Yeah. They've always got Never three on one side, two on the other. Don't use the tight end as much as, say, a pro style. Mm-hmm. But with these injuries, do you have to start thinking about shrinking up your receiving line a little bit? I think it depends on how they perform, to yeah. be honest. If Kenrick and Dre can come in and kind of fill those shoes and not miss a beat, then I say you stick with it. If you know, And the running backs are great receivers, mm-hmm. like very talented. Bubba Poole's very good, and oh my gosh – yeah. Devontae Booker, who knew? Spider-Man hands. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah, yeah they've gotten and good that, yards that out was, of the spread. That was really so something. funny watching Devontae the last week because, you know, I think Oregon was feeling pretty darn proud of themselves that he wasn't getting anywhere running, but it was what like – What did he finish up with yardage-wise that game? 68. Oh, wow. 18, See? 18, 18 runs for 68 yards, but – So they did play him tough. He had eight receptions as a receiver for 110 yards. So he still got 100 yards. Is that the most he's had this season? As far as receiving, yeah, I think so. But I don't think anybody saw that coming. And like I said, I think Oregon was feeling kind of proud of themselves until they started throwing Devontae the ball. And it was like, fine, you stop the run for me. Well, I'm going to start receiving the darn thing and um, burning you that way. Pretty high-scoring game for for, uh, Utah offense as it goes there. Uh, some good yeah, points. They did. I and I mean, who knew? I honestly, who knew yeah. that they would battle back and be within really three tough. points really in the did. fourth quarter. Part of that is the speed of Oregon, because if they're only having the ball for two minutes and they're scoring, mm-hmm. I won't say at will, but they're scoring almost every time they're on the field and going eighty yards in two minutes. The numbers are going to go up because you're trying to keep up with them and mm-hmm. essentially keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like what Utah did game-wise um, with their defense. I thought they played r- a really hard game. Mm-hmm. I thought they made Mariota very uncomfortable at times, but he's such a terrific passer, and he's so comfortable with pressure that it didn't matter. He's he was the best player in a, a coach. Whittingham said he's yeah. the best player in college. And I I. Think yeah, I you agree think with he's that. the Heisman frontrunner still? If they I th- win, yeah. I think he should be. I yeah. honestly think he should be. I, from, yeah, he's you know, unreal. What I've seen, that is some unreal talent that that guy has. And he's humble. And he's he, humble. Exactly. Yeah, he's, he's very, very He helps likeable. his linemen up. I, I'd like to see Wilson do that, help his linemen up. I don't know that he doesn't, but uh, ESPN was very mm-hmm. sure to show us his acts of humility. Right. Tr- almost like they were... Almost like it was propaganda for Seems like there's very little to not like about the guy, you know. And smart, too. He's a smart guy, well-spoken. He's like getting some kind of crazy math degree or something. I don't like him anymore. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) Tall, good-looking, athletic, (laughs) math guy. I don't like him anymore. I know. Grew up in Hawaii. What's not to like? I mean, come on. (laughs) I don't like this guy anymore. 
Mahalo. <laughs> win the Heisman just like as a, you know, whatever whatever you got on Thursday for me, sure. The first Nobel Prize winner it. and Heisman winner. You awarded me the Heisman? No, I can I squeeze mean, it in. Really, you, if you want a good mixture of great athlete, likable guy, good leader, I don't think you can look much further than Marcus and he, Mariota. In a lot of sense, he saved Oregon's program from a PR perspective. Because their past quarterback had been busted uh, robbing uh, fraternity houses. Uh, and there were a lot of, with their basketball team and the rape issues, there, there's a, there were a lot of PR issues inside of Oregon's mm-hmm. uh, athletic department. And he's been the complete opposite, nothing but a, a great Pac-12 athlete and student mm-hmm. athlete. I think I'd love to see them take home a national championship for the Pac-12. Like, they're my rooting interest now just because I'm a Pac-12 guy. Mm-hmm. No, I... I well, but Arizona State, they're fantastic. Like um, They're good. I I don't know if they're good enough to beat Oregon. I, I obviously, I think we're going to see sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. I did honestly tweet out after the game. I took a picture with an Oregon fan. With the fan with the oh, with sombrero. The sombrero. Yes. how I picked up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. And, you know, just told, told them, you know, go out and yeah. win the Pac-12 a national championship. Like, it's all up to you now. I, you know. I would like to see them, yeah, compete for that national championship. Bring, bring that baby home. Who's your ideal uh, national championship matchup right now? Oh, we want to see go ahead. You know what? I think I'd love to see Oregon go with Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Yeah. Because of the Brian Johnson Utah connection. So if Oregon happens to lose, I could be like, go Brian Johnson. Right. Okay. Go Brian Johnson. So I like that matchup. Yeah. I like Oregon. See, I'd like to see. And I'd love to see Pac 12 SEC. Or I don't think they're actually SEC, though. But I mean, they're a Southern Mm -hmm. school, Southern based school. I. Mississippi is they are Mississippi pack, State. Yeah, they're East, right? Maybe yeah. I, I. Yeah, because they play Alabama, and that basically okay. who wins. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I would love to see that Pac-12 SEC matchup, and you know what? Let's let's put our money where our mouths are and hash yeah, out compete. who's actually the best. That's gonna be the best part about this season. I think we're gonna see a big jump in <clears throat> just excitement, just enjoyment of watching a playoff, watching teams compete. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just being put in the games and saying, like, this is the last game, and that's it. Coach yeah, that's Whittingham said something very fascinating, that he w- has learned how to win in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. He has learned how to recruit. He has no fears of that. Not, I don't think he used the word fear. Right. But he's not concerned about it. Mm-hmm. You believe that? I do believe that, and that was something that I tried to you know, telling people initially when Utah got in and, you know, they were upset that they were going five and seven and, oh, we need to fire our coach. He's not a Pac-12 coach. And it's like, well, no, duh, stupid. He coached in the Mountain West Conference for years and years and years. He has to learn just as much as his players do how to be a Pac-12 coach, how to be a Pac-12 team. You know, it goes both ways. And I think there was a steep learning curve there for the coaches. Um, And it's still probably going on. I don't think... You know, we're quite out of the slip-out stage. But I think you kind of see the light bulb starting to go off. I think you, you're you seeing Whittingham and his staff figuring out how to take everything that worked for them in the Mountain West and take it to that Pac-12 level. Did you read uh, Gordon Monson's article today in the Tribune? 
I have not had a chance. I did see a discussion on our board about it. Um, it's been everywhere. On yeah, some people. I are haven't kind of listened upset. to any of the talking heads on radio <laughs> today, but I saw it all over Twitter um, during my lunch break. I read the article. Basically, said that Chris Hill didn't resign Morgan Scally, their defensive coordinator, and a couple other people, and they have no contracts, and that they feel disrespected by you know dr chris hill um who knows what the truth of that is i don't know but i thought that was a weird um article to write because the only quote in there is dr hill says yeah maybe we should have but it was like a one-line quote never went back to a second it was weird it was like Hmm. are you trying to get ratings are you trying because i know it's kind of getting ready for sweeps weeks and all these important it comes to the end of all the advertisers and radio and newspaper and television because the holidays are coming and everyone wants Mm -hmm. to break away right weird suspiciously weird to me yeah uh you know i think i think my boss dan Sorensen, kind Mm -hmm. of addressed that as well as well as possible what was his thoughts his thoughts were that some obviously some somebody on the inside said some things that they probably shouldn't have revealed that it probably is a reliable source that this information came from um but but, and this is the huge but is that if they thought that they were doing any of these guys favors by saying the things that they said or revealing the things that they said they thought wrong because obviously it puts you know some of those guys in a really bad spot and when it comes down to it Kalani is very very loyal to the University of Utah those other coaches are very 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 loyal to the University of Utah well, see the arc of the story was the other way is they're loyal to the defensive coordinator and they it was never uh, from my re- recollection there was no loyalty to the U. It was about these defensive coaches being loyal to each other, which I, I find far-fetched. Because you so don't work for a Kyle Whittingham if you're a scoundrel, right? Well, and I mean, they, most of that defensive staff has been there for years. They grew up together. They've been there for years. Mm-hmm. So if they didn't like it here, if they didn't feel some kind of loyalty or obligation here, they wouldn't still be here. Because Kalani's had offers, hasn't he? I think he has had a couple of offers to go elsewhere, and it just hasn't been the right offer. So they gave him a raise to make up for that. And we're kind of speculating that ultimately it's going to be the same thing. If he doesn't get, you know, an optimal head coach offer this year, he's going to get re-signed, and he will be the highest-paid coordinator out there. He's making a half a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Most good programs their coordinators are making a million million three million four mm-hmm. seems reasonable he's a good man he, he raises good men mm-hmm. he generally creates uh good people in the community why not keep them exactly i mean he's someone that i respect mm-hmm. i don't i have you interviewed him i've interviewed him once or twice i have to say i haven't talked to him as much as i probably should that'd be mm-hmm. a fun interview but and this is a huge but all you have to do is be around him and really be around the rest of the coaching staff to know that they're good guys. Like, they're legit good guys. He seems humble. I think so. He seems Quiet. like he loves or deeply cares about his players. Mm-hmm. You see that when they're, he's stretching them out and 
they're doing drills because that's the only time I see him is pregame right. and postgame. But he's always got a smile. He, you never see him slap his players. You never see him cuss at them. Like those are a lot of qualities say, you don't see. It seems like whenever one of his guys makes a big play, you'll see them run on the sideline and like yeah. do the you and, know and the, they, they always they always <laughs> pan to that sort right, of thing. Yeah. yeah, no, there's a lot of love. Do you ever there. get scared when you see the coach jump up for the chest bump for the coach? I get scared of like that coach is pushing it, man. I was gonna say <laughs> probably would injury. depend on the coach. I don't. Think I want to see Charlie Weiss do it. Oh, yeah. that'd be say, Kalani, <laughs> that would be good. Kalani can handle it. You're like, get your sketch your shape ups on there, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> you can do some chest bumping. <laughs> Safety first. All right, everybody in. Home's not a chair. It would have been fun to watch Rick Majerus do that. Oh, oh my God, she's <laughs> scaring me now. So. How do you see Stanford breaking down? I'm sure it's going to be very cold. It's probably going to be foggy because you're right on Coastal City. It's right. very cold this time of year in San Francisco. Kickoff, I believe, is going to be around 70 degrees. By the time the mm. game ends, That's good information. we're going to be... It's cold be in my world. Okay, because it's, it's, it's 3 o'clock kickoff, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it should be reasonably warm when they start. The sun will have gone down by the time the game ends. It might be... Low 50s, maybe high 40s, I think is what I was seeing. Scarf weather. So A couple coaches with <laughs> scarves is what you're saying. Sure. That's nice. I was going to say sweatshirt. sweatshirt? I, need to go, I need to go buy a new sweatshirt. I need to make sure that I'm cute. And there's nothing you're more embarrassing. You're always cute, Michelle. That's not your issue. That, where the fingers are cut off? I do actually have some of those. They're divine. <laughs> yeah, do uh, you should choose like a really kind of different sort of football or sideline football attire for this week. Yeah, but I'm not actually on the sideline. Like I'm legit going as a fan. So well, okay. Well, yeah. still, still, still remains. Maybe something. Let's go with that Oregon poncho thing that you saw the week before. Well, let's not. How do you feel about a sombrero? Well, let's not. A really tall, Smokey the Bear hat. Let's not. No. No. All right. You get to choose one item: cowboy hat or poncho. Which one do you go with? The Utes will win if you choose one. What would you go with? Worst case scenario. Uh, probably the poncho. You'll go poncho? Poncho. Not cowboy hat. No. Why? Hell no. <laughs> Hell no in the cowboy <laughs> hat. Why is the cowboy hat out? Because I'm not like a cowgirl. Like, I really hate country music. Like, I don't want to give the wrong impression here. Okay. I like how it's this not, is. It's not my steez. I like, like how this is your firm stance in the road. Nobody can know I like country music. No, I don't like country music. <laughs> All right, Poncho, so you're okay. No country music, pro ranchero music. No. Just so you know what's coming your way. I was going to say, ponchos can be high fashion. There is nothing high fashion about a cowboy hat. I'm sorry. You and I grew up in two very different places, I'll tell you. <laughs> I've gone to, gone to quinceañeras where cowboy hats were given out the door. <laughs> oh, poncho, okay, that's good. You cut a hole in it, that's where your head goes, and it's functional. It's, it's a like warm, a blankie? It's a blanket, it's a it's wearable like a blankie. blanket. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the youth will, think the youth will uh, appreciate this effort on you. If I was a, a football player, I would appreciate the fans giving a little effort as far as attire, or showing up to the game, something crazy. Yeah, it's just Anything? not going to happen. <laughs> not gonna I happen? had, so when they well, went to the Sun Bowl a couple years ago, my friend. Did you really? I went no, to that game. I didn't go. Oh, you didn't? My friend went, and he drove. I've been to many he, Sun Bowls. <laughs> he drove a. <laughs> Sun Bowl is where I grew up, is why I say in my hometown. Hey, hey. No, he drove down That's there with another friend, and he dressed up as a cactus. 
and he was on TV. <laughs> he was on TV. It was really funny. In fact, I think he was like standing behind Devonte Christopher's mom. <laughs> Oh, wow. And you just see this, like, cactus guy. You know, you should talk to Tyler about that. I bet they have an archive of that. I actually have a picture of it somewhere. Oh, <laughs> actually, I think it's on my Twitter page. I think I tweeted it out one time. Cactus. Yes. Right, like, legit. And he said that he sweat to death. So, I want to wrap up here. I but So, I want to get final scores. And then I want to get an update on your professional. Of what's going on with your career? What's going on? Because I saw a fantastic video that Tyler <laughs> dropped on Vine and Twitter. It looks like you got some serious oh. martial arts steez <laughs> with your boots on, which is more impressive. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> so, where do you see a score? What do you think the Utes are going to do well? What do you think they're going to struggle with? Um, I'm still a little up in the air with offense. And, again, I hate saying this, but it's just because I don't, trust Travis at this point in time to be consistent he'll have a really decent outing and then it seems like the next game he struggles and I don't know why that is I hope he comes out and I hope you know completing some of those longer passes gave him some confidence and maybe just kind of knowing that he legit is the guy now there's really right. hey, no who's one a backup guy now either Brandon Cox or Connor Manning they haven't decided okay. yet I think for consistency's sake and just based off of what the offensive line does well, I would probably go with Brandon over Connor, but it's not because Connor's not talented. It's because I don't think it's suited to Connor's mm-hmm. talents is the issue. Yeah. If they could make if they could make those adjustments and work for Connor's talents, then I say throw him out there. Like mm-hmm. cuz He's a talented, talented kid. He's way better than fourth-string quarterback. That's Does he sure. set okay. his feet when he throws? Because he, he's the best thrower on the team. He's, oh, really? He's, he's got the a most big ac- arm, huh? Most accurate, best thrower on the team, and is probably the best at making reads as well. Problem is, he's not mobile. The ESPN color commentator kept saying over and over again, to, and then I finally saw it and I understood it was why doesn't Wilson step into the ball and throw it? He's always throwing it while backpedaling mm-hmm. or making it more difficult than he ever should. Mm-hmm. The unmobile quarterback, Phil Sims, is a Hall of Famer. Kelly's a Hall of Famer. Dan Marino's a Hall of Famer. Troy Aikman. Troy, the, there's Kelly, yeah. I, Dan Marino. Yeah. Yeah, Peyton Manning. The immobile Joe quarterback Montana. will always yeah. have a place in the league if yeah. they can throw it. Warren well. Moon. It's. I don't like this idea that... Just be, what do you mean by not athletic? Like, is he a fat guy like the old Kansas State no. quarterback? No, it's just he, he doesn't have the ability, like, if the pocket collapses, like, say, like Kendall does, or right. even Travis sort does to a some pocket degree. Presence, you know, uh, Connor's, Connor's just not able to, like, scramble a little bit in order to find. So you he's know, not the a next spread play. offensive quarterback. He's a pro style quarterback. More, he's more pro style. Let's go pro style. I like that. He's more pro style. Hmm. The problem is the offensive line struggles with pass protection, though. Right. So So it's the wrong team for him. For now. Like, if he were with Norm Chow in Hawaii, would he be breaking records? Mm. It's it's all, all, yeah. Well. It seems like there's a system he might be better suited than, say, 
I think Utah so. One. And if it if it doesn't work out at Utah, I you know I hope he finds that good fit and tears it up because like I said, I think he's incredibly talented um, and way better than being someone's fourth string or third string quarterback even. So. So yeah. what's your score? A uh, score. I think this game's probably going to be low scoring again. I don't think it's going to get too out of hand, mostly because Stanford's been struggling with scoring, mm-hmm. and Utah's kind of struggled with scoring overall. But sometimes they come out and surprise you. Uh, I'll say twenty-four seventeen for Utah. I think Utah wins this one. I think their offense. Twenty-four well, seventeen. I think. Yeah. I think while their offense, while Utah's offense struggles, I still think it's better than what Stanford puts together. Do we see two quarterback? For Utah? Mm-hmm. Unless Travis struggles mightily, and I mean mightily, I don't think. Yeah, I think I they don't hang think, with him. Yeah, I think they hang with Travis, and I think it's going to be the Travis Wilson show the rest of the season. I'm worried about this game. They've been through really a tough two weeks to it. They lost some guys. Two tough losses. I think they're better than Stanford, though. Mm-hmm. They are better. But, yeah, I, I could see a 28-24. Mm-hmm. I could see something in the 20s to it. So, But I worry this game, They, they that team seems, like, tired. you know. So it would be a good test if they can bounce back. But I think they are the better team. Mm-hmm. So put me down 28-24, full poncho for the game. 28-24, you have 24-17. They don't do ties in college football, right? Yeah, I see an overtime game. Got overtime, huh? Mm-hmm. They've been in a lot of overtime games this year. Uh, I could see it potentially going overtime. I'm going to go 21-17. Someone did 21-17, right? I did 24-17. I think that's too close to you. I'll do 14-10. Okay, going low scoring. Yeah. What's the over-under on uh, fumbles inside the 20 for us? <laughs> over-under two fumbles. <laughs> this seems to be our MO. Why not embrace it? Intentional fumbles or not? <laughs> Intentional. No, let's just call it fumbles for Vegas' sake. Oh, I, I say we're super good ball security this week. I was going to say. I think say, it's beating into the heads this week. I was going to say I th- I will be shocked if the ball gets turned so over by no Utah. I say no fumbles this week. And both of you have Utah winning, right? I got mm-hmm. Utah winning. Okay, so do I. I. I really believe that. I'm not trying to be a bandwagon no. guy. They're I good. They are. I think they've proven that I'm they are legitimately good. They hung with freaking Oregon. They've like, hung with everybody. They've hung with everybody. But uh, I well, just no, worry about this game. Well, no, they even hung with Washington State. It's just That's they've true. let they've that hung. one go. That one went. Yeah, they've hung with everybody. They seem to do a great job of playing to the competition. Uh-huh. But this game does worry me just because it's been a rough couple weeks for these guys. I I think they get fired up for this one, though. Any, really be great. Are they okay um, health-wise? I know they lost a lot of people. But that was such a hard-hitting game. Like, yeah. That I hadn't seen hitting like that in the Pac-12 in a while. Like, yeah. That's it, reserved for the SEC. It was it was a pretty brutal game. I have to say, Farrell Brown's injury, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't actually see what happened, but I was standing on the field when he got carted past, and, like, he just was not moving. He looked like he was in so much Looked pain. like a dislocated hip. So much pain, mm-hmm. um, and it just oh my gosh, ripped my heart out. Like, 
you know, I mean, Tim's Tim's injury made me really sad because I think Tim's just so sweet and so cute. And I'll never forget doing that video interview where he asked me, can I eat my ice cream while I do this with you? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Should have told him. No, sir. (laughs) No, sir. You're going to let that melt. (laughs) No ice cream music and there will be no country. (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, that really, that broke my heart for Tim. But, I mean, you know, seeing him get carted off and he still, you know, pumped up and excited and, you know, trying to get the team excited and, come on, guys, you can do this and stuff. But, I mean, Pharaoh Brown just slumped in the cart, was not moving. And he looked like he wanted to crawl into a ball and just cry. Like, he just looked like he was in so much pain. Last thing, it was pretty phenomenal to see Patrick being carted off with so much uh, pain, but with the appreciation of the Ute fans mm-hmm. and the pounding of the chest. That's an iconic moment, as where Kaylin Clay's moment was iconic. That, just in the wrong way. That'd be a good picture there for someone out there on Twitter. Put mm-hmm. them both together. You know, the good and the bad of the season. Hmm. So, Patrick, where are you this weekend doing comedy? What's your Twitter, sir? Uh, my Twitter is Patrick. You can reach me at Patrick in my head. <laughs> so I'm doing comedy Friday night, the 14th, at uh, Music Muse Comedy Cafe in Provo with the wonderful Nicholas Smith. Again, I don't know what's going to happen. So we're just going to have to ride this out together. <laughs> now, 8 o'clock. Okay. Michelle, where, where can they read about you? Where can they interact with you on Twitter and Facebook? can check out all my stuff on utezone.com. It's paid membership, but I guarantee you it's worth it. And there's other cool people on there besides myself. Um, as far as following me, I'm trying to get my Instagram game up. I've mm-hmm. thrown a couple of things out there. So, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. What, what, what's that handle? I think it's mbodkinrivals as well. It's the same as my Twitter handle, which is also mbodkinrivals. I follow back. I interact with you. She Say takes a lot of abuse of from you boys. Crazy stuff. Stop the abuse. Stop Start the, abuse. the poncho. <laughs> that started. And then, of course, you can follow me or friend me on Facebook. It's just Michelle Bodkin that you look for. So. And if I don't, the pervs will get mad. What type of shoes are you wearing? And what shoes the will pervs. you be wearing to Stanford? Uh, I am wearing these little booty type things. I wore them the game Saturday and they lost so they will never make an appearance oh, at a yeah, game yeah. again the rest of the season. Burn them. Uh, <laughs> I they I was wearing them when they beat USC so I was like oh. gotta run the luck. They're uh, Apparently the luck's run out on these ones so they're like I said they're done for the season. They're not going to another game. I think for Stanford I have a pair of brown knee high boots that will be coming with me and we'll see how lucky those bad boys are. I have a question. Now, I'm not a great with fashion, but I was always taught that women and men should never have brown shoes and black slacks or pants or black shoes and brown Brown pants. The women in Utah seem to not care about this rule. Do you wear brown boots with black pants and all that stuff? Depends on the color of brown. Because so black, this isn't a firm no black here, with brown thing. Like here's the thing. Black and brown are neutral colors, so you can wear them together. Um, and you look in nature, like I have a leopard print scarf. It's black and brown. so And that works. Um, for a cheetah. For a cheetah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the real rule, though, is... Do not wear a black belt with brown shoes or vice versa. Your belt has to match your shoes, gentlemen. So a guy right. 
wants to take you out to a nice dinner, go for a walk. He's got a brown belt and black shoes. You get sick? Depends on if I like you or not. Mm. And say you're neutral right now. Say say you're like, I give and take this guy. He shows up with uh Yeah, he's number three in the bullpen. Yeah, say he's, <laughs> he's basically <laughs> like, a, like a third string quarterback, you know. So he, bra- he has black shoes, brown pants. What's the gut reaction when this guy shows up? Maybe I can change him. Let's see what his personality's <laughs> like. Show's over right now, folks. <laughs> I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue and clouds of white, the bright blessed days, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, 